Uh, yesterday, uh, we had a, a, had a very interesting day. It was not what I was expecting when I woke up. Um, so am I, just to give you some background, uh, so I have a little dog. Uh, his name is Padre. Uh, he's little. He's a mutt. He's ugly. Um, he's got one heck of a personality, which is a really nice thing to say about him because he's kind of ugly, um, right? Short little legs, little fat thing, black dog, white stripe down his stomach. Um, so he looks like a little priest, hence the name Padre, right? Um, great little dog, a lot of fun. Uh, so my morning routine, right? I wake up, get ready for the day, eat my breakfast, all those kind of things. Well, one of my things in my morning routine is always got to bring the dog out. Well, yesterday morning we had uh, first Saturday mass. Uh, I had two baptisms afterwards. Um, but when I woke up and I went to bring the dog out, um, I was shocked. Uh, his back legs weren't working. Um, so I, I, I call the vet, I get an appointment set up, go to Mass, all those kind of things. Bring him over to the vet. Uh, the vet looks at him and says, yeah, this might be a little bit bigger of an issue. So end up in New Orleans, bring him to the med vet, the hospital for the puppy, all these kind of things. They keep him overnight. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm like kind of freaking out. because So just a background, like some, a little bit about me. Like we growing up, my mom was a petrified of dogs. Um, she did not like pets. She did not like dogs. She was, she was scared. She used to get caught at my grandma's house sitting on the counter because there was a little dog that would bark and she freaked out, right? Like she was like trapped and afraid of the little dogs, right, that were noisy. Like so my mom is, is definitely afraid of dogs. Um, so my sister and I, when we moved out, the first thing that we did, we both got dogs, right? I think we were trying to kind of keep my mom away. No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But like it was just a thing. Like it was we both, we didn't have a chance to have pets, so we both got them, right? So as, as I'm doing all this yesterday, I'm like, this is the first time I ever go through this. This is the first time I, I see what's going on and how this all works. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, uh, like this is a lot, a lot, like a, just a lot of responsibility. And my, 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 my mentality from the moment that I got my dog was he's my pet, right? People would be like, oh, you a dog dad. I'm like, no, 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 celibate. Nope, kids, not my kid. He's a dog. He's a pet. He's property. He is not a person, right? That was always my mentality. I know I'm a cold, mean jerk. I'm sorry, right? So this was like my mentality as I got my dog. But like when I got my dog, he was, it was February of 2020. He was six months old. And then what ends up happening, we go into lockdown. So I spent two months just around him, right? So I'm a constantly with him, and I'm like, oh, he does have a little personality. He's my pet. He's my dog, right? Like, all these kind of things. I'm trying to convince myself. So yesterday, as we're, as we're going through everything and talking about stuff, I, I, there, there's a moment where the, the doctor says, look, we're going to keep him overnight. We're going to keep him for the weekend just to check on him. So I'm, I'm, I go to the kennel in the back and, like, give him a little pet. And, you know, I'm, all right, buddy, you take care of all the women up in here. And they, they laugh and ha-ha. And, and they close the door, and when I'm walking out, I just hear... I'm like, you're my pet, man. Like, <laughs> you are my pet. I'm not crying, I promise. Like, I was just like, man, like, but there was something about it, like, that was, that been tugging on my heart. I was sitting upstairs this afternoon, like, watching TV, just getting ready, like, waiting for mass and kind of relaxing a little bit. And what do I see? I see his empty kennel, and I'm like, man, you're my pet, man. Like, like, it's, but the reason why, I think, it's really because from the moment that I got him, we were always around each other. I was talking to somebody about this. One of my aunts has a lot of pets and stuff. And I was like, yeah, like, how do you deal with this kind of stuff? Because I've never had this, right? And she said, like, you're constantly around this pet. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I see, the, I see my dog more than I see anybody else. 
Like, honestly, I, I don't have a spouse, I don't have kids, right? Like, I see my dog every day when I wake up, every day when I'm going to bed. Like, he's, he's constantly around. So I'm thinking about this as I'm driving home. And, and, and as I'm driving home, like, I feel the, 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 the depth of the friendship, the depth of the relationship that's there. It's a dog. I know it's a dog, and it's, it's just a dog. But, like, I can't help but feel this as I'm driving home. And I think it actually, in, in relation to today's gospel, like, I, I think it actually can lead us into something together as we kind of understand what it is that Jesus is saying, because Jesus' words today are harsh. They come off as very harsh. If you desire mother and father more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you desire your children more than me, you are not worthy of me. He didn't mix his words. He didn't say, if you like your mother and father. It, it's if you, it, like, if you are in love with your parents, if you are in love with your children, if you are in love with these close, fundamental relationships more than me, not that I'm, not, it would be better if, it would be, it, it might be like kind of okay, but you should really. No, no, no. You are not worthy of me. You see, I, I think one of the reasons why we hit that, that, that hits, I know at least whenever I read it, and if I'm, if I'm by myself in this, I apologize, but I, I think when we read that, we can kind of take the harshness. It could seem really, really harsh. Like we can almost take offense to it. I think one of the reasons why, on the surface, that Scripture could be so hard to read and so hard to hear is because the fundamental nature of those relationships. If you're a parent, you, you, you see your kids every day. You're with your kids every day. If you're a kid, as you're growing up, you, you, see your kid, you see your parents every day. In, in human relationships, proximity breeds depth. Let me say that again. In relationships, proximity breeds depth. The people we are around a lot, we typically have a deeper relationship with. The people we don't see as much, we could still have a good relationship, but it usually doesn't deepen. Does that make sense, right? I think of like, I think of like the, the college experience, right? I've been here for one year now, as of like yesterday. Um, and, and one of the things that I notice is like going through the college year, going through the school year, like there's a depth that's established in the friendships and relationships, like both platonic, like friendship level and like like um, romantic relationships, right? There's a depth that's established because you see each other every day. Like after somebody graduates and they're they out in the working world, you don't spend every waking moment in between class and going eat and studying, quote-unquote studying, right? And you don't, like you don't do all these things all the time with your significant other or with your group of friends. Typically there's times and space and it's little bite-sized pieces. But college is kind of a pressure cooker of relationships, Right? Because proximity breeds depth. And our relationships with our parents or with our kids, those fundamental, fundamental foundational relationships are oftentimes the ones we're immersed in the most. So, of course, they're the deepest. But what Jesus is suggesting to us is why not be close to me? 
As close as you are to your spouse, as close as you are to your kids, as close as you are to your parents, if you're close to them, draw close to me too. Proximity breeds depth in relationships. If you're with them all the time, if you're doing things with them, if you you live with them, you see them in the morning, you see them at night, you spend days and times with them, right? If you do those kind of things, great. Then do the same thing with me. And Jesus is saying, make me a priority. Because proximity is going to breed depth in that relationship as well. There was a, uh, in, in, in our culture, in our, our, in our church, the history of our church, um, we've had a lot of great thinkers, we've had a lot of great resources that have been produced, um, but our, my, my grandparents' generation had this tool that was known as the Baltimore Catechism. Now, the Baltimore Catechism was from a group of bishops in the United States that kind of distilled down what you needed to know of the faith. And some of our people that might be in that generation probably know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It was, que- it was basically structured. You'd open the book and it was a question and there was an answer. And basically when somebody asked a question, you knew the answer, right? The first question in the Baltimore Catechism was, what is the purpose of life? And I've done this now twice and I'm kind of afraid because I've gotten it right both times and I'm, I might mess it up. And if I mess it up, I know there's going to be some lady over here that's going to catch me after the mass and be like, Father, you done messed up, Right? But the first question in the Baltimore Catechism was very simple. It was, what is the purpose of life? And the answer was, to know, love, and serve God in this life so that we can be with Him in the next. I got, I got some head nods going. Yes, A+. plus, still, still perfect, right? To know, love, and serve God in this life so that we can be with Him in the next. I don't think it's an accident that those three verbs are used. How many times have you heard or have you been tempted to say, where are young people doing things in the church? Well, how am I ever going to serve God if I don't love Him? And then how am I ever going to love God if I don't know Him? The most demonic thing going on in the world today is trying to mess up our image of God and His His love for us. Like most of the problems in our culture is the, is the devil at work trying to mess up us knowing God. Putting as much static and as much distraction as possible in that relationship. How do we come to know God? How do we come to grow in a relationship with God where it's not just, he's not just this old man that's sitting up in the, in the clouds and might give me stuff if I'm really, really nice. That's, that's Santa Claus. That's not God. But how do we come to know him? Well, we come to know him like any other relationship. Proximity in relationships breeds depth. So an honest question, an honest assessment that I think it's worth asking. I, I know I've, I reflect on it myself, and sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of the answer. When are you praying? 
Not, 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 oh, I pray before meals, or not, I went to Mass on Sunday. That's awesome, great, those are good things. But when are you sitting down and making time to feed that relationship? Like one of the first places we can look to really get an honest assessment of how we're doing is we look at our calendar. When am I praying? When am I giving time to God? No phone, no screen, no, no nothing else. Just 100% attention to Him. Now, I'm not talking about, some people would be like, start with five minutes a day. Don't start with five minutes a day. Five minutes a day is not long enough. The reason why, five minutes a day is the, thing, is, is the amount of time you give to somebody whenever you're trying to just get rid of them. Five minutes a day is the amount of time that you give somebody when they call you and you really don't want to talk to them, but you know you have to answer the phone. I answer the phone, I talk to them, and I try and hang up as fast as possible, and pretty much it's guaranteed that it's going to take about five minutes. And then you hang up and you're like, oh good, I don't have to talk to that person again for a while. That's five minutes a day. We're not trying to get rid of God. Okay? So if I'm not going to just, if, if five minutes a day is not just trying to get rid of God, right, or, or what, what do I do with this 15 minutes? Now, now, some of us, I know for me, there's been times in my life that, like, I've been challenged in that idea of what do I do when I go sit down to pray? And, and, and that what do I do a lot of times can be hard. <laughs> because it's, it's not always the most fruitful thing in the world. And there's, a, there's an author, a good book called Personal Prayer. I can show it to you after Mass if you want. But he, he reflects on it really, really beautifully. Let me know if this is you, if you've ever tried to go to the Adoration Chapel and just sat down to pray. I went to pray, but nothing happened. I just sat there. After a little while, I started to feel uncomfortable. I wasn't sure what to say. To be honest, I wasn't sure if anyone was listening anyway. I tried to talk to God but I just heard the echo of my own thoughts. Then some random stuff started to fill my head. I remembered some past experiences, and then I got a little upset. Out of frustration, I got out my rosary to keep myself busy. But as I started through the prayers, I got distracted by someone who walked out of the chapel. Then I was alone. And I felt really alone. I started to get bored. My eyes began to close. I started nodding off. Then suddenly I woke up and I got really irritated. This is useless, I thought. I will never be able to pray. So I got up and left. I don't know about you. I'll be honest, that, that could be me on a weekly basis. Like, why am I showing up? Is he really paying attention to me? I hear all these people talk about these beautiful prayer experiences and God talking to them and all this kind of stuff, but quite honestly, I just feel like I'm in a room staring at a gold thing. Like, okay. It's quiet. It's peaceful. Maybe it's a good place to study. <laughs> That's college students, sorry. <laughs> but is he really listening? I'd be willing to bet 
if you're married, your spouse, and if you're, if you're not, just your friendships, your relationships, that, that the times that you get together with friends, sometimes those conversations are really deep and really beautiful and really amazing. Sometimes the conversations in married life are really deep and really beautiful and really amazing. But I'd be willing to bet on an, on an ordinary day, it's a lot more just kind of surface. It's a lot more just kind of, how was the day? What's going on? Here, you complain about your day, and I'm going to complain about mine, right? <laughs> I have a feeling that a lot more of the conversations are typically a little bit seemingly more shallow, but it doesn't make them any less important. Because when we're willing to engage in conversation, engage in relationship, engage in a space to let each other talk, even if we don't take the advantage of it, like when we engage in that time and in that space, what happens is, is that the relationship grows in proximity. We're with each other. And because it, it, it gets deeper and deeper. I, as, we, as we have a holiday weekend... And that's a beautiful thing. That's an amazing thing. I got a feeling most people here probably, you're probably off tomorrow. If you're not off tomorrow, you're probably off on Tuesday, right? My challenge to us is, quite honestly, simple question. Tomorrow, when are you going to pray? If we see the value in the relationship with God, if, if we want to be holy, otherwise you wouldn't be here on a Sunday night if you didn't want to be holy, right? Like, if we are want to be holy, if we are striving for holy, if we're striving for sanctity, then what, what time are you going to give to the Lord so that He can talk to you? That the opportunity is there. More than five minutes. On Tuesday, when, when are you going to, like, like dispose yourself to receive His grace? Like, when are you going to give Him a chance to talk. Just do it early enough before we like start grilling out, drinking beer, and, and blowing stuff up like good old-fashioned Americans, right? <laughs> but like, when do we give God the space to work? Because if we ever want to be able to serve the Lord, we, we got to first love Him. And for us to ever even think about loving somebody, we got to know him. And we'll never know him if we don't give him the time and the space. When we come to Mass, when we come to the sacraments, we know that God shows up. We know that God speaks to us. We know that God works in us. We know that he steps down. He does the heavy lifting in the relationship. Right? We might drive a few miles. We might walk up the, up the aisle right, a handful of feet. But God is stepping down from heaven to here to meet you. Like He's entering and doing the long-distance part of this relationship to show up. Can we do our part as well? You have tonight? Amazing. But can we do it tomorrow? If a relationship, we only talk once a week, there's a good chance that that relationship while it might still be there, it will not grow. So what are we doing during the week, this week, to let God meet us so we can know Him better? Proximity breeds depth in a relationship. As God draws close to us tonight, may we draw close to Him